There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. A Thousand and One opens in movie theaters today after winning the Grand Jury Prize at Sundance earlier this year. I spoke to writer-director A.V. Rockwell about crafting her feature directorial debut to become an indie sensation. A.V. Rockwell, hey, thanks so much for joining us on WTOP in Washington, D.C. Thank you for having me. It's been such a pleasure to to sit here with you today. So, hello. <laughs> hey, all right. Well, congrats on the the movie. It's called A Thousand and One. It just won the Grand Jury Prize at Sundance, and it's going to open in theaters on March thirty first. Uh, so uh, I guess I guess break down the basic premise for our listeners really quick. I mean, I've seen it. You know what it's about. Um, but uh, you know the the old logline thing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So this is a mother and son story. We meet Inez, who's who's just gotten out of jail when we first meet her, and she immediately tries to reconnect with her her son Terry, who's who's in the foster care system. And so when we first find them, we see that she is feeling at risk of losing him again. Uh, and so she just decides to impulsively take you know take matters into her own hands and and abduct him. Um, and so you see them rebuild their life together, somewhat hiding in plain sight in a New York City that is rapidly beginning to change around them. Um, it's very much so a mother and son relationship story, but it also is a story about a family versus a city. Oh, absolutely. You said family versus the city. And uh, that's one thing I wanted to ask you about. Was, um, I love how you, I'm sure it's a conscious decision, obviously, but I love how you um, weave in the audio of the different mayors. You know, we have Giuliani and uh, Bloomberg and you watch the city become gentrified and it starts to intrude on their, their lives and everything. How much, how much was the city and the, you know, that skyline pre nine 11, you know, seeing the towers and everything. How, how much was, was the city, you know, a character of itself in this thing? Oh, completely. I think the city to me is like the third, <laughs> the third main character in the film. Right. So, so I was, I was very conscious of that and making sure that you really felt the, the personality of New York shine through from the very beginning um, and, and felt the, the journey of, of it change. I think New York continues to change and, and uh, over the course of the movie, the same way these characters do. Um, and to me, as I was writing it, I, I really love the idea of Inez being New York personified. Mm. Like, you know, what if what if the, the the spirit of New York City is a black woman, you know, and I think so much of the way uh, inner city women like Inez specifically uh, are seen reminding reminds me of how New York was seen uh, when we first meet it in 94 um, and the way that she is pushed to change and become a little bit more palatable for people uh, is the same thing that the city goes through. So I, I really love the idea of these, these two characters, so to speak, taking this journey together. Uh, and that's what you see over the, over the course of the film. Um, they, they both transform and they're both uh, tested uh, uh, as, as the movie moves along. 
I like that analogy of of as as the city itself. That's awesome. <laughs> and and also the I guess based on the title of thousand and one, I guess referring to the apartment number. But um, the apartment itself, their living quarters becomes an important character too. You know, like they I, I always geek out on directorial stuff, but I love that like high angle where you know Terry's a kid playing on the floor, but you can kind of see sort of the wall, and it, it's almost like the the apartment itself becomes a character. Was it? Uh, were you trying to in your shot selection? You know, uh, really play up that theme. Uh, you know, seeing the apartment as a character? Yeah, I think I, I didn't see the apartment as a literal character like that. That wasn't the, the way I, I, I looked at it. But I did think it was important to see how their home transformed, like how it was when they first entered this space and the home that they made it, you know, together. They, they made a home together and you really see the arc of that. And so much of this is about like people who were looking for a sense of home, looking for a sense of stability and looking for a sense of family uh, and, and, and the things, the obstacles that got in the way of that, you know, and what's at stake when things like gentrification come along uh, to, to really devastate people who have been fighting across generations uh, for, for what they have. And so I think the home needed to represent the ideas that the ideas of that as well. So so yeah, there is a there, there is an arc to the apartment for sure, um, and you feel that. And and I and I and I remember speaking with the art team, which was led by my production designer Sharon Lamoski, about like I was very particular about like how this home needed to look because I wanted it to really feel like uh, a woman who looks like Inez and lived in this community. I, it needed to feel very specific, like this is how she kept her home. We weren't going to just pick any random generic furniture, you know, right. like I, I really wanted it to feel like, like even like the plastic on the, uh, the, uh, the, on the, the lamp or like just like certain, uh, you know, bedroom sets that were just really popular, like all those details, getting that right was very important to me so that it really felt personal and really felt specific, uh, but you really felt the the reflections of how hard this woman works, you know, uh, to right. to to create the environment that she does for her for herself and her family. Absolutely, and the you know the the theme of the the apartment a thousand and one, the home that she's created is the, all the the only home they know. And what inspired that? Did did you you know did you read an article about you know sort of a kidnapping from a foster system, or did you know someone that went through it, or yeah, you know, how did you come up with that? Um, you know, I think uh, in terms of the way an abduction element played into this family story, uh, I do remember thinking a lot about like. Uh, people who had lost their children, you know? Um, uh, and so I, I thought about that. I thought about that. Um, and I thought about just like how, how that feels for a mom, you know? Um, and, and so I was thinking about that feeling and, but I, but I think also it's, it's tough because it's like, I don't want to give too much of the movie away. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think I just wanted to talk about two people that really, um, has something to fight for, right? And and both Inez and her son are, are products of the foster care system. And I know people that come from the foster care system. And so I was really just trying to honor them with this story. But I think also the vulnerability that creates, we're talking about homes, like whether a home is an apartment or a neighborhood or a city. And mm -hmm. so I think for people that are fighting for a sense of home uh, and fighting for our families, and I think, especially in the black community, we're fighting to keep families together when so many obstacles uh, are thrown at us as evidenced in the film. Um, and, and so I think seeing two people that are longing for a sense of family, longing for a sense of home, seeing them go on the journey of that uh, and, and, and gain that and gain that and then just have to fight to keep holding on to it. I just felt like not only did I want to honor 
people that go through the foster care system and make sure that they feel seen. Uh, but I also kind of felt like in telling a story about like, these are the, the woes of gentrification. Um, and this is, these are the woes of how a city can betray its people when it prioritizes commerce over community. I just felt like, you know, embedding that into the, the journey of my characters was gonna be really important. Awesome, awesome. I'm Bradley Trainer, And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game, and you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. Well, I want to uh, go into the casting for a little bit because these performances are so powerful. And, you know, the, the the heft of these roles that they have to play, there's some really, you know, goosebump, you know, tear jerking scenes in this thing. Uh, but tell me about casting, you know, the lead, you know, Inez, uh, Tayana Taylor. Um, a lot of people know her from, from the music career, but, you know, I guess she'd been in some things like Coming to America, the sequel and stuff. But I, who knew she could act this good? <laughs> <laughs> um, talk about you know why why did you choose yeah why did you choose Tiana and 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 how cool was it to you know see how she could grow through the different time periods through so that's a whole arc of a character she gets to play man yeah it was so much fun for her I mean I, I think that uh, for me I knew that it was going to be a bit challenging to find the right woman for to play Inez because uh, I needed an actress who could not only handle the demands of of this type of performance it was a very challenging character to portray very fun but very challenging um but but I also needed to feel a certain level of truthfulness come through in their performance I, I needed to feel that the on there was honesty there and how they represented a New York City woman in general but also how they represented a, an unprivileged woman uh, of New York City uh a inner city woman and so I think that finding someone who could access that in a way that felt honest and empathetic you know, I knew it was going to be hard to find um, because I didn't want it to, I think to, to cast the wrong type of person, um, it would have been almost like me again, making it feel like you're not even good enough to play your own role, you know, and, right. and not even say that Tiana did have to be this person in real life, but I felt in her performance, regardless of what her true background was, that she, she either she knows this woman or she just connects to this woman in a way that feels like you understand her and you're there with her. You know, like I felt the connection and compassion for this kind of type of person in the real world. And now it was really important to see. And so I think by the time I saw Tiana's tape, I'd seen so many women that she really stuck out like a gem. And that was so exciting and it was so pure and so raw and so honest. And even just reading a few pages from the screenplay, you could tell that she really understood, you know, the psychology of this woman. So it was exciting. And then Inez is a character that beyond her, her experience in the world, um, Inez, you know, she's a very colorful character in general. She's just a very colorful movie character. Yeah. Uh, and I felt like Tiana had access to all those layers to, to the character as well. And that was really important, including being a mom. You know, she's tough yeah. as nails, but she also had the ability to be vulnerable um, and to be deeply loving, you know. So that was really exciting. And then the fact that she's from New York and from Harlem, uh, just, just bonuses. Oh yeah, it's a it's a great performance. I wouldn't be surprised if you hear you know mentions come award time. I know we're way ahead, way too too down the road for that. But you know what I mean. Those performances and and 
the scenes with Lucky and and then of course with the, her son. I mean, it's there's some really meaty meaty moments in there. Well, uh, casting that we have to talk about the casting. Um, you know the the boy. Uh, he has to you know, Terry. He's played three three different actors. What ages six, thirteen, and, and seventeen? Um, I guess we've seen. I, I don't know. I guess Moonlight kind of did that with Chiron in the three chapters, but in this, it's just told through without you know dips to black. It's just you know suddenly he's a little older. Suddenly a little older. Um. How important was it you when you were casting them, them? Like, how did you pick sort of the continuity so that we we believe that they had obviously they had to look alike, but also kind of act with similar mannerisms? You know, like how tricky was that? Uh, I mean, I think it, you know it, it is something that's a little bit of a puzzle. You know, in terms of trying to find the right actors, I think finding little Terry was going to be the most challenging, and so it was great once we had him that he could kind of anchor where I go from there. Uh, and so I think finding him, I mean, I think finding him in terms of finding the actors was really important. And then that kind of set the stage for the other actors who I was really excited to find, like, but out of the group of actors that I was finding, like who, who felt right to turn to, 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 to channel the journey of, of a character with, we're starting with Aaron. Um, and, and I think in terms of just Terry's journey, I just wanted to be mindful of, uh, I wanted to be mindful of like, how is this little boy who starts off so withdrawn and, and so smart, you know, you can tell that there's so much bubbling within him, but yeah. he's, he's processing so much based on what his experience was uh, early in life. But little by little, as his life begets, uh, gets more stable um, and as the, the apartment, you know, becomes a home for them, you see him getting the space to just be a boy, just be a child and just open up and get to know himself and get to know who he wants to be. So much of Terry's journey is about who I am. And I think each of the each of the boys, they do a good job of showing him slowly by show, slowly but surely getting more self-actualized, right. uh, you know, into the man that he is by the time uh, we're saying bye to him at the end of the film. Uh, it it is it is quite quite the role and all three of them I I, be, I believe that they were all the same person throughout so uh, good good on you for that um, well in closing I know we're up against the clock but let's find out a little bit more about you you know where where did you grow up you know what sort of movies did you love growing up you know I want to want to know those like initial influences on you yeah yeah I uh, I grew up in Queens you know so uh, so I'm a New York City girl which is you know pretty part of why I wanted to tell this story. Um, <laughs> The movies that I loved growing up, uh, I think I, I always, I go back to the movies that I felt like uh, they've stayed with me. You know, these are my favorites then and, and they're still amongst my favorites now. So I right. love Goodfellas. I loved Crooklyn. I loved Do the Right Thing. Um, I love Who Framed Roger Rabbit. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I'm also a big uh, animation fan. And so I love the Disney, the Disney like classic, you know, animation, like the traditional, you know, the icon. Sure uh as well so like th those are my favorites growing up as a kid and then obviously as I began my journey uh into filmmaking that just kind of expanded and then I gained new favorites like Battle of Algiers and like Z and like Seven wow. Beauties and you know I think there's just so many movies that as I continue to grow as an artist got gained exposure to and it just like, gave me the full breadth of what the art form could be but but yo but uh but those uh, early ones uh especially like the ones by Spike and 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 Scorsese, I think before I even knew what filmmaking was as a career path, uh, they they gave me a sense of how you could really balance like you know great art with entertainment, um, and and have something to say and and say it in a way that is specific and true to who you are. 
So great influences. I'm sorry. It's like a fly around. It's all right. Don't worry about it. But yeah, I mean, Spike and, and, and Marty, as they say, two New York geniuses. So yeah, you're, you're, you're learning from the best. And thanks for throwing in Roger Rabbit. I could also geek out about Battle of Algiers and Z and all of those. I mean, they're masterpieces too, but we don't have time. So thank you so much for joining us. Um, I guess final seconds, how exciting was it uh, as we bow out here uh, to to have such success at, at Sundance and, you know, and going forward, I mean, you're, you're on, you're on the ride of your life for your first uh, directorial debut feature here. So, I mean, uh, what, what's this whirlwind like? Oh, it's, it's been incredible. It's been incredible. It's definitely been a whirlwind for sure, but I'm just staying in present, present, you know, I'm staying, you know, grateful for all of it and just enjoying the moment. So. Awesome. Well, congrats again. It's called 1001 and it opens March 31st. Thank you so much. A.V. Rockwell. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Our theme music is Scott Buckley's Clarion. Remember to give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time. I wanted to take a second to tell you about an app I really enjoy. Living in the D.C. area is great, and Podcast D.C. gathers all of the local shows that I like all in one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast D.C. is the new local app with hundreds of D.C. area podcasts to choose from. I can earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts I love instantly. Available in the App Store or in Google Play, listen local with Podcast D.C.